Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. David Fraser is one of Canada's leading internet technology and privacy lawyers. He's a partner at McKinnis Cooper in Halifax. He's the author of the Canadian Privacy Law Blog and the Canadian Cloud Law Blog. And uh, Mr. Fraser joins us on the program. And David, great to have you back. Always happy to be here. Thanks, Roy. And let's talk about uh, what uh, what has been talked about in this country, uh, particularly over the last week, and that is that according to the federal privacy commissioner, privacy should be a right. Yeah, I think that's that's an interesting way, and but also a problematic way of, of framing it. What's really kind of brought this to a head was the investigation by the federal commissioner of uh, Facebook related to Cambridge Analytica and the use of uh, information through that platform. For political purposes, it's it's on the heels of the Brexit investigation, which was spearheaded by the uh, UK Information Commissioner, who's actually a Canadian, uh, who had formerly been our our assistant commissioner. Uh, And uh, we're obviously leading up to an election uh, coming up shortly. And uh, so the, the federal government, the Minister of uh, Industry, dropped what uh, is referred to in sort of the Prime Minister, I guess, the uh, a digital charter, which is a, a significant kind of rethinking of a whole bunch of digital issues. Privacy is obviously there. A significant piece of it relates to uh, misinformation online, relates to the democratic process. Um, and so it's a whole lot of stuff to think about and a whole lot of stuff to discuss. I don't think we're going to see any action on it prior to the election. There's only a couple months left for the parliament to sit. And also it raises so many issues that really need careful thought and consideration. Well, what are, what are, David, what, what, are the, what are the key issues? Because if you talk to Canadians, and, and, I, and I get the calls and the emails, there's a great deal of concern about privacy. Just where, Or there's a sense that it doesn't matter anymore because our privacy is non-existent. Once we sign on online somewhere, everything that we are and who we are and what we know is just uh, shared back and forth. And, and so we don't have any privacy any longer. So how, what's, what are the key issues as far as that is concerned? And where does the digital charter come into play, if it does, as far as, as, as privacy is concerned? Well, probably, probably the most important issue that's, that's going to be discussed is whether or not our privacy commissioner should have order-making powers. And that's been uh, – so we have a, a – uh, well, I was going to say a new commissioner. He's not that new anymore. But uh, we have a, a new discussion related to – whether or not our commissioner should have powers similar to European data protection authorities and the ability to issue orders and levy fines. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think that's going to be a significant part of the, of the discussion. Whether or not we re- really need to rethink have the basic structures of, of privacy, our privacy law is based on reasonable purposes, notice of those purposes, and informed consent. And I think we really have a challenge with consent these days simply because a whole lot of the technology that we use is extremely complicated. Kind of what goes on behind the scenes is not obvious to individuals. When you go kind of in the olden days, when you'd walk into your drugstore and you'd interact with a pharmacist, you'd have a pretty good idea exactly what was going on. There, it wouldn't be going into some big network system that's available to all pharmacists across the province. And likewise with, with insurance companies, things have just gotten a whole lot more complicated. And so we really need to try to grapple with how do we actually make consent meaningful so that people are informed about these sorts of things. Do we need to have, for example, a baseline of reasonable purposes? So, in fact, in, in Europe, and, and many privacy advocates in Canada say, oh, well, we just need to adopt the European law. And, in fact, the European law 
does away with consent in a whole bunch of circumstances where there's a, a legitimate basis for, for processing data. And so that, that I guess, presupposes a, a consensus, almost a consensus on, okay, well, these are reasonable purposes. These are okay. You don't have to bother anybody with getting their consent for that because this is just kind of what happens. And anything over and above that, you really need to make a significant, almost Herculean effort to make sure that individuals really do understand what is happening with their information. And also to give them meaningful choices and the ability to opt out. And I think that's probably going to be a significant part of the discussion that we're going to be having in the next probably year or so. It has to be. Uh, you know, I, I when I go online and I'm looking for a story, for example, and I go to a website and they tell me they have cookies and they have this and that and the other, and then I have to make a decision whether I'm going to accept what they're uh, what they're telling me uh, they're going to do uh, once I sign on, and and uh, or whether I don't want to ex- uh, go along with it. I want the information, and so more often than not, I just tick and close my eyes, you know, metaphorically, <laughs> and hope for the best. We, we can't have it. We can't operate on that kind of system. Well, and, and I think so. So you end up with with a bit of an extreme. So you have all these cookie notices that have popped up. You'll probably notice that that it's really been in the last year that you're seeing them all the time. And, right. and that was because of the European General Data Protection Regulation that came into effect a year ago this past week. And so really, how helpful are those notices? All they do is they annoy you. If you know how the Internet works, you have a basic understanding, they're cookies, and, and that's the reality. And so kind of forcing people to go through that additional step that is ultimately meaningless is just annoying to users. And so we need to kind of take a step back and, and give consumers meaningful choices. So, for example, there are different kinds of cookies. There are first-party cookies, so the website that you're visiting is going to use a cookie so that it knows, for example, when you go from one page to another. That's completely innocuous. Or there could be third-party cookies. There could be tracking cookies from other companies, from advertising networks. And you might be concerned about that, and you should have the ability to just kind of shut those off if you don't want them. And that way, all the sites don't have to bother you but you're not going to be tracked from from one site to another. Mm -hmm. And so you end up with these kind of half measures that that simply annoy. And it's always worthwhile, I think, to periodically take a step back, look at the big picture, look at it in in context of the way that we actually do things online, the sorts of things that are important to us, the sorts of values that are important to us, but also think about kind of how does the Internet run? How, how How is it free for most of us? It's free for most of us because of advertising. And so we could take a misstep and then all of a sudden significantly undermine that business model. And, and well, there are certainly people out there who, who wouldn't mind that happening, uh, but would probably reduce the amount of free material that we have available to us online. And so the, the, the benefit of having that well-informed discussion and thinking about, well, most of these things actually do kind of have trade-offs and consider that. But the, the most significant kind of omission in this whole kind of digital charter thing, at least as far as I'm concerned, is something that should have been fixed in the last year, which would be to make political parties and their allies subject to privacy laws. Because currently, political parties are, are driven largely on personal information about voters and prospective voters, and they're completely outside of the realm of, of regulation. And you might not be surprised at the fact that this is the case because it's actually politicians that decide who is going to be subject to privacy laws. So they have intentionally excluded themselves. And so we're going into an election where the technology for micro-targeting vulnerable voters, for example, is, is, has never been, that susceptibility has never been higher. Uh, we also have a whole bunch of non-party organizations that are supporting different things like um, 
Ontario Proud and, and those sorts of organizations that, that operate online that are getting kind of donations under the radar and but are able to use the information they have from social media in order to particularly target people who might be susceptible or very influenceable on particular topics. Okay, yeah. And all of that needs to be, at least in my view, kind of pulled out of the shadows and, and subject to scrutiny so that you can go to a political party and say, hey, I'm Roy Green, what do you know about me? And what, and what have you assumed about me as well? Because those inferences are really probably the most important thing. That's really important. That's really, really an important issue. What about the charter itself? Uh, in the minute or so we have left this digital charter, it's not going to have the weight of law, or at least certainly not, not in, the, in the near term. But are you generally favorably disposed toward it? Well, I think many of the, many of the principles I, I completely agree with. And, and the, the, the challenge is always going to be in the details. So misinformation and fake news and false news and that sort of propaganda is really an issue. But, of course, it's going to have an impact on freedom of expression. And so how do we strike that balance? We really need to have a careful conversation about it. The thing that concerns me is that we're, we're really looking down the barrel of an election that's just in a couple months. And I, I hope they're not going to try to jam something through. But I really also hope that the kind of chief electoral officers and others are, are going to be pretty nuanced and they're going to use the tools that they have at their disposal in order to properly deal with with the party advocacy and non-party advocacy. Yeah. Well, you know, doing what I do for a living and have done for a living for a long time, privacy or at least the freedom of expression is cornerstone and critical. I just consider that to be a cornerstone of my life and the life of, of Canadians and of our dem- democratic system. And anything that any any anything that would threaten our freedom of expression uh, is is something that I would most certainly be standing up on and, and challenging, David. It's all oh, sorry, absolutely. But but we also have to look at what happened with the Brexit vote, and in the last couple of days of that campaign, uh, w- what happened there. And and so certainly it, it's it's a very important conversation we have to have. And I'm, I'm glad that you're uh, you're strongly engaged in it. We'll do it again. Thank you, David. I much appreciate the time. Always. Anytime. You take care. David Fraser, partner at McKinnis Cooper in Halifax, past, uh, and he's the author of the Canadian Privacy Law Blog and the Canadian Cloud Law Blog. Um, privacy lawyer, internet lawyer. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.